Looking for some new and interesting ways to make money playing music live? I've got some for you today on the podcast. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, hey, this is Bree Noble, and I am so glad you're tuned in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast today, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And on today's episode, I'm going to be sharing some little teaser snippets from the interviews that I did for the Profitable Musician Summit. If you haven't heard, the Profitable Musician Summit is an online conference that's going to be coming up between May 1st and May 10th. Uh, It is free to get a ticket and join us. All interviews are available for 48 hours for free. So you definitely want to sign up over at ProfitableMusicianSummit.com. And to get you excited for the amazing interviews that I have. I'm gonna be doing several teaser episodes, the first of which is today where I'm gonna be pulling in some snippets about live performing from all kinds of different experts in different areas of live performing. So I wanna start out with a few snippets from the second day of the summit where our theme is festivals, concerts, and connections. This is Louis Lavella talking about how you can get onto local stages at big festivals so you can move yourself up, get a lot more fans, and maybe even attract the attention of some agents. And to start out, a lot of times there's local stages and they usually like the local um, DJs or artists to to be showcased there because not only is it giving back to the local community, it also helps uh, pull marketing, right? The locals, you know, I don't expect anybody to sell tickets. I got that handled. I'm the marketing guy, right? So it's not about you got to sell 20 tickets. That is not a concern of mine. 20 tickets compared to 30,000 tickets is not going to make or break. So get to those local stages, the smaller third stage of the more, the more unique stages, you know, let's say in the forest stage, you know, who knows what it is. You find your fit and you get there and you start playing it. You build fans because people will discover your music and discover you there, which is amazing to do. Uh, There's more of that fan connection because it's not the massive stage with the 40,000 people in front. You can go interact afterwards. It's really cool to do as an artist. And of course, you build up your resume and start to build your way up to getting on the main stages or getting an agent taking notice now that you've done a few of these. As you can tell, Louis really knows what he's talking about when it comes to festivals. He has been the marketing guy for many large festivals. So I know you're going to love that session on day two. We also have Lisa Lynn on day two talking about self-produced concerts. I love this snippet because she gives some really unexpected advice on where to start looking to do these self-produced concerts. The big cities, it's really harsh and it's really hard. But if you're in a rural town of a population of anywhere from one to 20,000, you're going to be able to most likely get a little something in the paper about your coming. And you're going to be able to reach all the people that you need to reach. And people are more open to come in. They're actually going to see your poster in the coffee shop or the grocery store. They're going to, uh, it's much easier for me to 
fill a room in a more rural location. And yeah. people talk, like people are like, oh, hey, are you going to this thing? Did you see mm -hmm. this? You know? Exactly. They're all connected on Facebook and you can actually get, get the information out in a much easier way. You can reach the one guy who does the blog about the happenings of the town. You know, mm -hmm. he'll actually write back to you. It's just a much more, and, and those hundred people at your show are the same hundred people you tried to kill yourself in Seattle, getting those people there, you know, or San Francisco. Um, it's still the same hundred people. And speaking of those small town kind of gigs, on day seven, I talked with Tara B about finding niche gigs in your community that you might not have thought to pursue. I There's places like libraries. I don't know if you've ever thought of something like that, but that would be one area. Um, the senior places that I talked about. Um, there's also places like farmer's markets that happen some places they happen all year long, but in our colder climates, like where I live, they happen in the summer. Um, you might find things like we even talked about chamber of commerce, like that's actually a meetup place, but you know what chamber of commerce, I just did this recently again, where I was looking to see if they have other events and they have sometimes dinners or breakfasts or galas where they need actually live music. That's a place that maybe people don't necessarily think of or like a women's club. Um, if you're a woman, <laughs> you might want to, there's tons of women's clubs. And the way that, again, you can find these places are just literally Googling in your area, like put in women's clubs in your area or chamber of commerce. And on the flip side, if you're in a more urban area, I talked with Lindsay Cat about how she busks and makes some pretty darn good money doing it. She also gets some really good feedback on what she's doing musically and in her stories and banter by being able to be so close to her fans. She also has some really important tips for you guys as far as what is legal to be done when you're busking. So I'm going to throw that tip in right here. So there's a couple of rules. You asked about the legalities before, so I can kind of tie this part back to that because you can't sell anything. That's part of the, the New York City rules. So if you, so if the you guy want to sell something. he was breaking the law. <laughs> technically. And so and a lot of people do sort of, you know, fudge the rules on that. So, but there's, you know, in the, in the, in <laughs> the way things seem to work lately, uh, a lot of loopholes around the way the law works. So a lot of the way that sort of artists typically play the loopholes is they will offer their CDs for donation and have a suggested donation. That's totally allowed. So I will That's have. That's what it. I would do. <laughs> merchandising there it says please take one and please give me $15 when you do <laughs> like is is totally fine but you're not allowed to say CDs for sale at $15 so those little loopholes I think also are things you kind of have to navigate speaking of engagement and connection Shannon Curtis gets this in spades when she does house concerts she has made a name for herself in creating a house concert system that works for her bringing in some really good money and she talks about how she does that and how she tours all over the country doing house concerts on day three of the summit. I mean, really, we're partnering with our hosts to create an event that's going to be successful for everyone, you know, so that people mm -hmm. who come feel like they've had a really, you know, enriching, rewarding experience and that it's also um, a, a, a successful event financially for us. You know, that's, that's obviously an important factor as well. So we've learned that, that the, a lot of the process of creating that is really teaching, educating our hosts on how to do this. Because the vast majority of the people who host our shows are not people who host house concerts. Like mm -hmm. they're not people who do this regularly or who have even 
organized events, you know, right. on this kind of scale or have never, most of them have never been to a house concert even. So we're really like from the ground up teaching them how to create an event that, that makes, you know, that creates a successful outcome for everybody. One great thing about house concerts is they are great fillers on a tour. There are lots of dates on your tour that maybe you can't get a major gig, but you can throw a house concert in there when you're in a certain area. So Nancy Moran is talking a lot about how to book and plan your tours on day seven. What I call concentric circles. So, you know, one of the strategies is that you start 50 miles outside and then sort of when you conquer that, then you go to 100 miles outside. So that's one strategy. But there are some other strategies. Um, a big strategy that I know I hear a, a lot of people talk about is getting an anchor gig. Now, my idea of an anchor gig might be a little bit different than some other people's idea of an anchor gig. Because an anchor gig for a lot of people is the money gig. It's the reason that you're going to go to that particular location. And that is usually based on money. But my idea is that an anchor gig is whatever makes that trip worthwhile for you. So that anchor gig might be uh, because you just got booked at Eddie's Attic in Atlanta and you've been trying for forever to get in there. So come hell or high water, once you got that gig, you are going. And once you land that high profile gig, how do you actually make some money there other than the money that you might make playing? How do you make some good money on merch and get people back to your merch table and excited about buying what you have to offer? That's what I talked to Suzanne Polinsky about on day eight. I'm usually wearing my t-shirts um, and it, it, it's clear that it's mine and I've usually got my books or my products you know, placed in the background. And I'm not like, oh my God, go buy the book or go get this t-shirt. But it's just psychologically people are getting primed like, oh, that's their shirt or, oh, okay, I see. You know, they, and it's easier for people to want to buy something when they see what it looks like on. If you've got a sticker, like put it on your stuff, <laughs> you know, like have it on your guitar case and, you know, whatever else. So, you know, really just displaying the merch is more helpful than people think. Um, and you know, just talking about it, you know, if you're in a band and you're in between songs, you know, making a joke about it, like having one member say to the other on stage, like, wow, that is a really great shirt. <laughs> and then like, oh, funny, you should mention it. I got it over there at our merch table. That is just the tip of the iceberg on what Suzanne has to share with you on how you can make some really good money from merch and music without feeling like you're being salesy. And speaking of not being salesy, I talked with Greg Wilna, who for a long time didn't make any money from merch at his shows because he didn't have any and he was just starting out. But he figured out how he could hack the system and start making money without having any merch and any music to sell. And here's a little bit from him that I know is going to get your interest peaked for listening to his interview that's going to be on day eight. I had to figure out how to start making money with nothing. And what I did is I did some creative things. I think you're probably going to ask me about that. We could go into that later, but I did some creative things. And then I started being able to take what I was making from nothing and then reinvest it back. And then it just kind of compounded and grew. Mm. Um, so needless to say, um, I was able to go into a venue where nobody had ever heard of me before 
and nobody had ever heard of, heard of me, my band, my music, and I would be able to make money no, no matter what and get fans and then get them to more shows. So, and it was a totally amazing feeling being able to go somewhere and to get paid no matter what the bar did, the split of the door did, the venue the promoter did. Um, I was self-sufficient and I had made it so that I could earn income no matter what anybody else did. You know, the control was mine. And that's where it starts to get really juicy in this interview. So in typical soap opera fashion, I'm going to leave you hanging because I want you to sign up for the summit. It is completely free. So go to ProfitableMusicianSummit.com and get your free ticket so you can listen to Greg and Nancy and Tara and Shannon and... Suzanne and Lindsay and Lisa and Louie and all the people who are talking about learning to make money from live shows on the summit, ProfitableMusicianSummit.com. Get signed up right away so you don't miss our opening party on May 1st. The summit runs May 1st through May 10. When you sign up, you'll get an email giving you all the information you need to know to stay up on the summit. And I highly recommend you sign up for our messenger reminders so you don't miss any of the interviews each day during the summit. All right, I'll be back next week with another highlights episode as we lead up to the Profitable Musician Summit starting May 1st. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.